Chapter 32 Pero, it's not a good time to go into shock. Carper opened the door. They're after us. They're after me? I stared at Carper, my brain sitting in fog. When Carper shook me, my eyes blinked, then opened. More shouting drew closer. Carper ran out of the room. I quickly followed. Stop or we'll kill you both. The voice came from a guard. There were at least five. I ran faster. An arrow whizzed past my ear. Across the bridge, through the door to inside Moon City's walls, Carper pulled me into the nearest room and locked the door behind him. Locks won't stop them, I said. They never stopped you. Nice try, Carper, a man shouted through the door. Carper shoved me into the bathroom and shut the door behind him. The lock clicked as the outer door slammed open and knocked off the picture of Carper onto the floor. Carper opened the bathroom sink cupboard. Get in, he said. You're not thinking clearly. We can't both fit under a sink. A fist banged against the bathroom door. We know you're in there. Now, Pero. Fine. I crouched down and crawled inside. There is no way. Push against the back wall. I don't understand. Your hand. Push the moon-blasted wall. I pushed against the back of the cabinet, and the piece fell flat. I gasped. Don't just stare at it. Carper pushed my backside forward. I crawled inside of a tunnel, my hands and knees wet against the damp floor. Where are we going? Shh! I crawled blindly forward. A high-pitched scream sent a shudder through my body. What's that? Don't know, Carper said. Sounds like it's coming from inside these walls. I sensed a darkness in the air, thick and tangible. I stopped and held out my hand but couldn't feel anything in the way. My throat constricted. Screams rose in volume. The unseen drowned me in panic. I sat and put my arms around my head. Call out to Elohim, Carper's voice wavered. I don't think the screams are from people. They are monsters brought on by me. Did you invent creatures underneath your city? I shouted above the noise. No, they're invisible. Demons aren't real, are they? Maybe they are, he said, but I think they'll go away if Elohim's here. Why don't you call out to him, then? What makes you think Elohim would rescue me? A sound rang past my ear like a ghost wishing by. I shuddered. If I would choose to rescue, I'm sure Elohim would also. I sensed more than heard Carper's sigh. Elohim? You'll need to be louder than that. Carper grumbled. Can't he hear me no matter how loud I am? I suppose. Elohim? Carper's voice cracked. I held in a laugh. Rescue us! The noise tapered into quietness. Too quiet. Like an empty tomb. It was still dark inside the tunnel, but the spirit of darkness had left, and in its place was nothing. No worlds. No closets. No me. Only emptiness. How could I sense the spiritual as much as I had always known the physical? An explosion brought my hands over my ears as fast as lightning. Up ahead, sunlight poured into the tunnel and blinded my eyes. A part of the wall had broken off, leaving a large enough opening for us to escape. I can't believe that worked, Carper muttered. Hello? came a girl's voice. Is anyone in here? Kathina? I asked. Peril? Kathina peered into the tunnel. 
What are you doing in here? I tilted my head back and laughed. I'm being rescued. Kathina reached her hands into the darkness and pulled us to the light where we fell into step with the Lasaris. When people march for something they believe in, they speak it, not with words or painted signs alone, but with their feet. Each step felt holy. Each pound of foot on dirt meant war. I didn't wear a hat. If they spit on me, I wanted to feel it. If they used their weapons, which they hadn't, I wanted to go down, having fought in full view. No hiding. Eight thousand Lasaris marched. Elbows poked and hips bumped, but I didn't mind. I felt secure with more Lasaris around me. Even if Moon City tried to destroy us with explosions or abusive words, unity in multitudes brought strength. She has said we were to march around the city seven times. It could take all day. In our packs, we carried water. We carried sweat, tears, the years we'd wasted not trusting a bigger cause, the time we'd spent holding on to fear more than him. We felt the weight of it all, the burden of ourselves, and we shed it as we walked. We watched it fade with every prayer in our minds. The prayers called out to Elohim for deliverance from ourselves, for peace in our hearts, for the walls to knock down our selfishness and limitations. We asked to be humbled to dust. We asked to be nothing so he could be everything. Guards didn't call out to us this time. I should have hated them. I should have wanted them destroyed, but I felt the weight of their pride and grieved it was heavy enough to knock them down. My feet numbed as I kept walking. The sun fully awoke, but a cloud partially hid it, giving us relief. I entered the inner part of my brain, the part where my thoughts connected to Elohim. I sensed him more. Thank you for protecting me. I sensed his pleasure in my gratitude. My awareness of self faded. I forgot about Henry, my family, my home, and only remembered Yeshua and his hands washing my feet. I remembered his care. I remembered his love. I cried then. I cried for Moon City. I cried for Dad. I cried for Mom, for Henry, for Sam. For Jimmy and Carper? Do you see? Do you know? Believe in Elohim, and he will win your battles. As I cried, the earth trembled beneath me. I stopped marching and waited. I strained my eyes toward Shia in the front. He searched the sky, and I looked too. An eagle soared and called above us. I recognized the call as Sam's eagle, Faith. She didn't wait for me to follow. She only flew. I grabbed Carper's hand. It twitched. Should I let go? Holding his hand felt like the right thing to do. 
I wanted him to know that I cared for him as a friend, that I was sorry that we couldn't make it to Earth, that it'd be all right because Elohim marched with us. Carper squeezed my hand. We'd made it. Carper City would be destroyed. But there would be a new beginning. Somehow. Somewhere. I believed. An empty feeling fluttered in my stomach. I believed, didn't I? Shia turned to the Lasaris with trumpets. Bringing the trumpets to their mouths, they blew out their first notes. They played a melody so pure, so beautiful, it echoed off the walls. It wasn't long before people around me sniffled and wiped tears. I understood their response as the same one that had brought me to my knees in front of Yeshua. Yes, this is you, Elohim. When even music played makes the soul tremble. A breeze picked up and tossed my hair. I had no vision. I didn't play my guitar or sing. Yet power permeated my very being. The trumpeters finished one last note that stretched on for as long as they could let out a breath, which for a trained trumpet player was a long time. After, it became so quiet that I thought maybe I'd entered a silent film. My heart skipped a beat. One woman blew a note through a horn, louder and lower and more triumphant than the trumpets. The earth trembled with it. Above the noise of the waning horn, Shia called out, his voice echoing off the city's walls. Shout! Shout! For Elohim has given you this city! Shia shouted. The Lasaris joined. One hundred, four hundred, double, and more. Eight thousand people shouted. It was the sound of a stormy ocean, of an avalanche, of a stampede of wild horses. As the shouting grew in volume, so did the ground increase its movement. There was a significant release as I shouted. Yeshua had healed my wounds. He'd untethered my fears. But with this shout, I went beyond being free. I soared, like my vision, like the eagle. I flew away from it all. There were no walls. A sound came deeper than the stormy ocean, like somewhere in the middle of the earth, that kind of deep. The guards on top of the wall fell over. Some tried to run, but the wall, like a monster, pulled them back until they held on tightly to whatever or whoever they could. We shouted. Carper wept. A roar of sadness and fear came from Moon City's mouths. With one final, deafening shake that started as a tremor and moved into the largest quake the world had ever known, the walls fell down. A wave of dust shot into the air and cleared to reveal piles of pieces, as if the ground itself had turned to steel and yet still exploded to nothing. What Carper had once thought indestructible now lay dead and buried along with the very ones who built it. We stood like statues. Somehow, by Elohim's power and our faith, it had happened. The Lasaris walked through the rubble, 
coughing and covering their mouths. Some cried. Some stayed still with stunned expressions. No one clapped or hollered or chanted their victory. We were all too solemn. The place had been a prison transformed into a grave. Dust billowed along the ground like dirty clouds as far as I could see. Even the sky had turned brown. Ahead, under a field of dust and debris, I saw a shimmer. I touched Carper's arm. Look! I pointed toward the sparkle. Let's go check it out. Carper wiped the tears from his face and followed my lead without a word. Every once in a while, he'd stop to lift a piece of steel from a body and would say the name of the one who'd been buried, and he'd cry. For many more faces, he said, I didn't know him, or her face is unfamiliar, and he'd cry again. I stopped where I'd seen the shimmer. The walls of the gold room were in debris around our feet. No room remained. Gold coins scattered. Most were buried and dull, as gray in tone as the rest of the mess. What once sparkled in splendor now dulled from the dust. The shimmer I'd seen still lingered, but it came from a crack along the floor in a rectangular shape. I shuddered, swallowed, staggered. The door! Carper's eyes widened. Open it. I tightened my hand around the dirty twine and pulled. Bright light flooded our faces, and we coughed from the dust that flew into our noses. When I let go of the string, the door crashed against the floor, and an opening in the shape of a circular tunnel slid into darkness. Carper laughed. He did it! I can't believe Elohim did it. I wanted to say I told him so, that I knew Elohim would make a way. Yet, I hadn't been certain either. But one thing I was sure of, a door opened, and Carper and I would walk through it, with Elohim leading the way. Shia watched us from a distance, threw his head back, and laughed. He placed his hands on his chest, then turning toward Carper, he bowed. He raised his head and hands toward the sky, to Elohim. I followed Shia's lead and bowed my head toward Carper. Oh, get up. I straightened. Why? You're embarrassing me. Dr. Calvin Carper gets embarrassed? Enough of that. Let's go home. Home. Well, closer to home. Closer. Carper held out his arm toward the slide. Ladies first. Sitting on the edge of the slide, I peered into the dark, then clutched the broken pendant in my fist. Mom. My mind echoed with her scream, just like I'd heard every night for fourteen years. Yet this time, it sounded quieter, as if she heard my lullaby and held on to the hope that I was on my way. The ones I loved most were out of view, but not forever.